Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. In this episode, Padre Andrew looks at conflict and unpacks the Bible's position on war. Today I wanted to look at Paul's letter to the Romans. And here's the Romans reading from the message version of the Bible. So that's Romans 12, and I'm particularly looking at Romans 12, 17 to 19 this morning. So it says, don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everyone. There's our focus this morning. If you've got it in you, get along with everyone. Don't insist on getting even. It's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. So we'll highlight if it is possible or if you've got it in you. I think the Bible is very practical here. It says, as much as it depends on you, as far as it is possible, on your behalf, live in peace with everyone, as far as it can. However, I think it also implies that living in peace with someone else is also impossible. Have you ever met someone that no matter what you did, you couldn't get along with them? They could not be appeased. The Bible says, if it is possible, if it is possible. And we try, we try to make peace with everyone, but we can't. So this morning, we're going to look at what the Bible says about war. We're going to look at four things. What is the real cause of war? Is it ever right to fight? Will the world ever have permanent peace? And is this the final war? What's going on at the moment? So, first off, what is the real cause of war? The Bible says that most wars are caused by two things. In James 4, it says, You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Selfishness and pride, I put forward, are the root of most wars. Whether you are pro-war or anti-war, the case can be made that selfishness lies between both parties. Whenever there's a battle between two nations, a battle between two businesses, a battle between an employer and an employee, labourer and management, husband and wife, parent and child, whenever there's conflict, someone, maybe both, is exhibiting selfishness or pride. I want my way you want your way, we're going to have a conflict. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, where there is strife, there is pride. When you think of sin, what's the middle letter in sin? I. So when I'm in charge, when I want my way, when I demand that I be the centre of the universe, when I get my way, sin is going to happen. Proverbs 13 says, and pride causes a lot of problems, arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord. So secondly, is there a right to fight? Well, the Bible actually says yes. Um, There are times when it is the lesser of two evils. There are times when it's appropriate. And there are times when it's inappropriate. 
Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time for war and a time for peace. The Bible here is very realistic. Sometimes war is the right thing. Sometimes war is the wrong thing. There is a time for war and there is a time for peace. There are many, many examples in the Bible where God commanded a war where God said, go to war. All right, great biblical heroes, Joshua, David, uh, Gideon, Samson, they were all warriors, weren't they? Fighting for what was right. And when we look at ministry of Jesus, we see several things. Firstly, he never told a Roman soldier to leave the army. He never said it was morally wrong for them to be in the service. In fact, in Matthew 24, he says, there will always be wars in the world until the Prince of Peace comes back. Was Jesus a pacifist? I don't think he was. Twice in the New Testament, he cleansed the temple by force. He made a whip, went in and cleansed the temple. He didn't do it politely. Hey, would you guys mind sort of moving on, please? No, no, he didn't do that at all. He forced them out. They were doing the wrong thing. All right, in Luke 22, Jesus told his disciples to sell their coats and buy a sword. The Bible says there is a time for war and a time for peace. The question becomes, when is the right time? How do we know a good war from a bad war? Well, two or three times the Bible says we ought to fight in order to preserve freedom. There are many examples in the Bible of this. God told Joshua to wipe out the Midianites as they were very oppressive and evil. God said the same to the Israelites to wipe out the Canaanites. We have to decide what's worth dying for and there are some things that are worse than war. And I'm sure we can think about those. The Bible says that we should fight to defend innocent people. Proverbs 21, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoer. Christians are not just interested in peace. We want peace with justice. Peace at any price is not peace. Someone once said that all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Right? We must have justice as well as peace. Three facts of life. We live in a fallen world. Every person has sinned and wherever there is sin, people hurt each other. So laws must be enacted to prevent people from hurting each other. God has authorised the law and government as part of life. He started by giving us the Ten Commandments, of course. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. God has established a fallen world where people are imperfect, so we must have laws. God has authorised the government to enforce these laws because the laws are worthless if there is no enforcement. Will the world ever have permanent peace? What does the Bible say about that? Yes, someday, but it won't happen until Jesus returns. The Bible says that one day Jesus will come back to earth a second time. In fact, the Bible talks more about Jesus' second coming than it does about his first. Interesting. In John 14, Jesus says, in effect, I'm going back to heaven 
and I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming back. The Bible says that when he returns, he will set up a reign of peace on earth. Is this the final war? The wars that are going on? Are these wars leading to the second coming of Jesus? The Bible says there will be a climactic battle one day and we'll know when this happens. Luke 21 says, Don't be fooled though. Many will come in my name. I am he and the time has come. But don't follow them. Don't be afraid when you hear of wars and revolutions. Such things must happen. But they don't mean the end is near. Countries will fight each other and kingdoms will attack one another. Jesus says in Matthew 24, No one knows that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So, how should we respond during war? What is the Christian response? What should we do? Four things. Firstly, we should pray. 1 Timothy 2 says, First of all, pray for kings and all others who are in authority that we may live in quiet and peaceful life. Pray for our leaders, that they make the decisions, make good decisions. Notice the benefit of praying for our leaders. You'll end up with quiet and peaceful lives. The Bible says we ought to pray for our enemies. Matthew 5. Pray for those who hurt you and spitefully use and persecute you. Secondly, we should trust God. Trust God in all situations. The Bible says in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Though the army besiege me and war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Trust God. Realising that God can be counted on. That God is in control. That God knows what he's doing, and that God will carry us through whatever situations we face. Thirdly, seek peace. What does that mean, to seek peace? Well, Psalm 34 says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seeking peace means doing whatever you can to bring about peace, not only between nations, but peace everywhere else as well. Blessed are the peacemakers, and they shall be sons of God. Fourthly, we need to support each other, trusting God and seeking peace. Galatians says, carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. In times of crisis, we, the church, certainly shows itself as a family, an extended family, one that cares for each other and the wider community. There's another war going on, the Bible says, a war for our souls between God and Satan. The most used analogy for the Christian in the New Testament is a soldier. Fight the good fight. Put on the armour of God. Fight, strive, conquer, overcome, victory. These are war terms that the Bible uses to represent the Christian life. The devil is trying to pull people away from God. Our job as agents of God is to go out and reach them with his love. If you've never 
opened your life to Christ. The Bible says you're at war with God. And I suggest that those of us who have opened our lives to Christ are suddenly at war with Satan. If you haven't made that decision, you need to make peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, you don't have peace with other people. Hebrews 2 says, Jesus came so that through his death, he might destroy the devil who has the power of death and set free those who were slaves all their lives because of the fear of death. He wants to set us free from the fear of death. He wants to give us absolute freedom. Galatians says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. That's what salvation is about. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, then you are really free. Free to a new purpose in life, a new meaning in life. Free to break bad habits and to begin new ones. God wants to rescue you. God wants to rescue all of us. And we need to take sides. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.